0: When businesses are first starting to dip their toes in the water of click and collect, if they want to do it super simply and super easily, what they can do is they can, on their e-commerce website, they can quote unquote offer click and collect, but what they really are doing behind the scenes is offering the click and collect addresses as shipping addresses.
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. Today's consumer requires most stores to provide the same experience that they will get from larger brands. These experiences could include click and collect also known as buy online, pick up at store, integrated loyalty across channels and on channel experience across all the channels. These experiences require you to have inventory centralized and reconciled across channels or there will be friction to the process with significant customer experience issues such as not able to buy the product on the site That consumers may be looking for. These issues could also include delays with shipment at the store or challenges with traceability of the order. In today's episode, we have our guest, Jason Greenwood, who discusses the nuances of the click and collect process and why you need to have centralized inventory and distribution strategy to enable this experience. He also provides some easy hacks on how brands can enable this experience without having a true technology and operational infrastructure to enable this experience. Finally, he discusses several scenarios and implications if the businesses might not have a true click and collect experience system. Let me introduce Jason to you. For over 20 years, Jason has been helping brands across ANZ architect exciting, compelling, differentiated, integrated, and technically sound, digital shopping, and brand engagement experiences. After many years in e-commerce, working across pure play, retailer, and agency, he realized that most consultants and agencies target sexy retail brands, and B2B and DTC brands often get short shift as a result. He started Greenwood Consulting to address this imbalance by focusing on B2B, and TTC e-commerce consulting. Jason is the host of at the cold face podcast and author at the Coal face digest. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you
0: very much for having me. Really looking forward to spending some time with you today. Of
2: course, Jason. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus?
0: Absolutely. So I've been uh, I've been working in the e-commerce space um, as a focus in digital for over 20 years. Um, I've owned my own e-commerce pure play. I've worked agency side. I've worked merchant side. Uh, and now I've got my own uh, e-commerce consulting business. But I focus really niche down into that B two B and D2C, so direct consumer e-commerce consulting space, yeah. uh, mainly because m- uh, most agencies and most consultants really focus on that aggregator retailer brand, the, the big name brands, the household brands. And oftentimes B2B is very complex. D2C can be very complex. And I, I sort of specialize now in consulting in those more complex omni-channel and, and B2B environments. So really enjoying what I do. Can't imagine doing anything else. And obviously with the advent of COVID, we're all busier than we can possibly imagine. It's a little bit like trying to drink out of a fire hose. So, yeah. um, you know, couldn't be more passionate about e-commerce. And, and I and I really focus on full stack uh, omni-commerce technologies, not just the e-commerce platform itself, Specializing in consulting across the entire commerce stack. So whether that be ERP, CRM, CDP, PIM, uh, point of sale systems, system integration, design, solution architecture. So really, I primarily take a, a technical focus um, in my consulting, but I help brands really to align their people, their processes and their tech, uh, as well as their data um, for a great customer experience. So that's really the focus of what I do.
2: Amazing. And I am super excited to dig into all of that, especially the the complex e-commerce businesses. They could be much harder overall to enable from the e-commerce perspective. So I am super excited to discuss some of these stories that you might have. But before we do that, we have one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest. And that is going to be your perspective on business growth, Jason.
0: My perspective on business growth. Look, I think what we've learned is that uh, the challenge for businesses around growth is not so much, particularly from an Mm e-commerce perspective. I mean, COVID put a rocket under e-commerce anyway. So, most businesses are not thinking about growth in terms of okay how do i go out and acquire more customers how do i how do i convert better how do i you know do all these things around generating growth it's yeah. more about how do we swallow handle that growth and still maintain a great customer experience because throughout covid most businesses simply were not engineered to do you know, 90 to 100 percent of their revenue through their digital channels. They just simply were not built to do that. And so even if they were an omni business and that maybe they had a store estate plus, you know, some digital channels and maybe even some marketplace channels, the reality is that they in that scenario would do eighty to ninety percent of their business through their physical store estate, or it would be divided amongst multiple digital channels. And then, obviously, with the advent of COVID, that flipped on its head almost overnight. And so, you know, with store estates being closed around the world, rolling lockdowns happening globally, et cetera, they all of a sudden went from a place where it was a very, very tiny percentage of their business to where now digital was a hundred percent of their business, and they quickly realized. That, for me, people, process, and tech perspective, and even from a, a warehousing, logistics, inbound, outbound, uh, you know, warehousing capabilities, uh, order management systems, warehouse management systems, all of those technologies, and all those processes, and all the human resources required to service 100% of their revenue through digital channels, they just were not ready. So, for me, what I what I when I, when I'm talking about growth. Uh, I think, how can I help brands cope with the natural growth that's happening through digital channels as a result of COVID and the permanent and structural changes to buying habits that have been created as a result of COVID? Okay,
2: amazing. Some great insights there overall from the growth perspective. And obviously, if we try to dig into each of those processes that you just discussed, uh, I think we need to create the individual episode for all of that. But when we look at some of these, complex b2b businesses one of the process that is going to be super important for them and it's very critical or complex to implement is really going to be your click and collect and the returns process right so yes. do you have any specific stories where you have implemented this process what were the challenges what kind of business it was can you take us down to that story, describe the whole business, what they were selling from the product perspective, how their business was structured, whether they had any sort of the store element in that, whether they had e-commerce element in that, did they have to worry about the omni-channel aspect? So can you walk us through a story where you can touch on all of these elements
0: yeah, absolutely. So th- there's probably two two re- pretty relevant stories here. Um mm-hmm. one is a one is a more of a B2C type of a business and, and another mm-hmm. is a B2B business. And what we find in in, in the B2C business that I'm thinking of is a is is a, a fashion business. I uh, you know, I can't give their name, but you yeah. know, we 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 when we first started consulting with them, you know, they didn't do click and collect at all. They didn't really have they had a scenario where their ERP knew about the inventory values at each individual store. Uh, and their ERP obviously understood the inventory values that they had for their web warehouse. And so they didn't, they didn't, they didn't do fulfill from store for web orders. They had a central DC or distribution center for web orders. And then they had physical stores for in-store purchasing. And there was really no visibility on the website either of inventory values at store, even if products were available in a given store, uh, even without inventory values, nor did they have an integrated click and collect experience either. And they were running, you know, they had about 50 stores uh, across Australia and New Zealand. So they're they're a, a brand that works across Australia and New Zealand. And yeah. they didn't offer a click and collect experience in either country. And they had DCs in New Zealand for New Zealand web orders. And they had DCs in Australia for Australian web orders. And they wanted to implement click and collect. Now, what happens in that environment is we we were scoping um, a, a, an e-commerce solution for them. But the problem is, is that they were using a, a pause, for example. They, they, they wouldn't be able to, for example, adopt Shopify pause because they weren't going to be using... Shopify, and they already had a pause that was already integrated with their stores and they weren't going to swap the pause out. So we had to have a way of being able to bring inventory values out of ERP into a system that can facilitate click and collect that can be integrated into the front end web experience. It can be integrated into the checkout experience, and then it can be also integrated into the in-store experience for the actual last mile of the click and collect. So... We we uh, I've worked quite heavily with a, a platform vendor down here in ANZ called Stock in Store, uh, yeah. and that that particular platform it's it's like a distributed order management platform. There's a, there's a number of them in the market, but they really focus particularly on that sort of click and collect and integrated store experience. That is their their main focus, but they also have distributed order management functions so that. Should a should a brand want to in the future do more than click and collect, go beyond that and also do ship from store, then they can facilitate that. They can facilitate order routing and uh, rules, basically rules around order routing, i.e., you know what's closest to the customer, where will we dispatch it from, where will it be cheap, cheapest and fastest fastest to ship it from, etc. But the the stock and store capability basically takes a feed. An inventory feed from the ERP, it stores all of the location information within its platform, stores all of the inventory by location information in its platform, and then has out-of-the-box widgets, embeddable widgets, that can go into the web platform, whether you're Shopify, BigCommerce, doesn't really matter. Those widgets can be embedded in the e-commerce platform to provide store-level inventory information on the product page, as well as provide the checkout experience around the click and collect. So if you get to checkout and you decide, hey, I want to actually have this order made for me for click and collect, they provide the tooling and the plumbing to be able to pull in inventory levels in real time at checkout to facilitate that. And then they add the information to the effectively to the order notes field around the routing of that order so that when the order uh, integrates down into their platform for order order routing, it knows where that order was originally destined to be shipped from or collected from. And so that's kind of how that tooling works. And then what that system does over and above the user experience tooling is it provides the in-store tooling, the in-store interface for when orders are routed to a specific store for click and collect, Provides a click and collect management interface for the store staff so that they can prepare those orders. They can trigger off the transactional email to the customer and an SMS if they've got that enabled, so that the customer knows when the order is ready for collection. And then obviously completing the circuit and closing the loop once the customer comes and collects. Uh, then they can close that loop inside the system, and then that integrates back down to all of the other systems, ERP, web, et cetera, to show that the order's been collected and, it, and it's a completed order. So you, there, there's other systems that do similar things, but really, most of the e-commerce platforms out there, you either have to build something custom to help manage the click and collect experience, or you have to integrate an off-the-shelf platform that's designed very much around that omni-channel, click and collect, ship from store, ship from warehouse experience.
2: So Jason, obviously you know a lot, okay? You are super passionate about this topic, but our listeners are really the financial executives. They might Mm -hmm. not even have done the e-commerce in their entire life. So some of the terms that you are mentioning (laughs) right now, they might not be able to understand those. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. let's take a step back here. Do you wanna describe what click and collect is? Let's say if uh, you have an executive, And they have never done e-commerce in their life. And you want to describe this from the business perspective. What does it do? Click and collect. What is the business process? Just walk us through the process, considering that these executives probably are not going to have any e-commerce background.
0: Absolutely. So there's, there's several different, I guess, uh, approaches to click and collect. So l- let's talk about what click and collect is from a customer perspective first, yep. right? Yep. Um, but before we think about the tech or what needs to happen in the back end, what is it that we're trying to create for the customer in terms of a click and collect experience? And what does that mean from the customer lens? And essentially what that means is providing the ability for the customer to order a product through an e-commerce website of the brand. But instead of having the product that they order online shipped to their door, whether it be their home or their work address, instead of that, they want to go to a physical store location or a retail store location and collect the item from there. Now, there's there's other permutations of this where you can partner with a, a carrier that offers pickup points that are not physical retail stores and there's other ways in which you can allow click and collect, even if you don't have a physical store chain. But click and collect usually refers to an omni-channel business that has both physical stores and an e-commerce uh, presence, and you want to provide the ability for customers to to pay online, buy online, pay online for their products and then drive to a physical store and collect it. And that, the reason for that typically is so that they can w- – one of two things or both. One is to avoid shipping costs for their e-commerce order because usually click and collect orders are are made available for free in terms of, of freight. They don't charge for shipping for click and collect orders. And two, for speed. So if I want to order online today and pick up today, uh, usually click and collect is the only way that I can do that because most brands don't ship same day or if they do, it's very expensive, and so therefore – E-commerce orders, even in a best-case scenario, will typically ship overnight and arrive the next day. So click and collect is the process or the systems or the technology to facilitate and allow the customer to buy online, pick up in store, which is why it, it, click and collect is also sometimes known as BOPUS, um, be on, buy online, pick up in store. Um, that's really what click and collect is. And I, I believe that there's, there's and I've, what I've seen in the market is there's a number of different approaches to achieving this all the way from something really simple, all the way to something that's fully integrated and seamless end to end. So when businesses are first starting to dip their toes in the water of click and collect, if they wanna do it super simply and super easily, what they can do is they can on their e-commerce website, they can quote unquote offer click and collect, but what they really are doing behind the scenes is offering the click and collect addresses as shipping addresses so they're still shipping your order out just like they were gonna ship it to your door work or home, but instead of shipping it to your door, they're shipping it to one of their shop doors. So they're shipping it to one of their existing retail store addresses, and then they let you know when it's arrived at that address for you to come and collect it. But the problem with that, that limited or restricted or quasi true click and collect experience is the fact that it takes the same amount of time and there is the same delays as opposed to click and collect from existing store inventory so usually brands when they first try click and collect because it's so much easier to implement click and collect from web inventory or web shipment and just simply ship it to a store and then have the store staff contact the customer when it arrives there for collection. It's so much easier to do that from a technical perspective that that's the first step that most brands take into the click and collect world. And then if they see good uptake of the click and collect experience, then they'll usually refine that and implement technology that allows them to deliver a true, what I consider to be a true click and collect experience, which is the ability to know what the stores have in stock through the web experience, and then also fulfilling it from existing store inventory.
2: Okay, so let's talk about some of the industry. So here, when you talk about they have to have the the store, are we talking about the majority of the CPG brands that or the retailers that might have the storefront, are they a good candidate for this specific process? Or are there going to be any other businesses that might be that might a good fit?
0: Yeah, it, it depends. Like, you know, groceries, for example, if I was to contrast grocery with fashion, for example, grocery, much harder. You know, yeah. grocery is so much more difficult because you have fresh, some fresh, some canned, some processed. You've got different types of products. You've got different perishability of products. You've got, yeah. you know, you've got uh, the, the the physical size of, of those goods or for a given grocery order can be huge. And so you need large bins for click and collect. You need the ability to not have to have a, a counter that somebody comes up to to click and collect. So usually there are click and collect lockers involved, which adds layers of complexity. So there are certain verticals and in industries which are good candidates for click and collect. And I would say grocery is not a great one. Yeah. that be just because of the complexity involved, although the, the demand is there now, especially with COVID. Whereas something like something like fashion, anything that's that's sort of you know small light easy to ship, easy to you, you've already got people working at a, a service counter um, that are servicing customers at point of sale already anyway in those types of environments so basically you, you're tr- any sort of traditional retail environment, any store that you would find in a mall, any store that that has that physical presence and is used to doing sales over the counter would probably make a prime candidate for offering click-and-collect services.
2: Okay, so let's talk about these brands, right? So let's say if they don't necessarily have as strong e-commerce presence, especially when you talk about these fashion brands, uh, e-commerce has always been sort of the stepchild for them. Uh, and obviously, when we are talking about the click-and-collect process, that could be that could be even bigger ask. So let's say if I have a brand and they might have 20 different stores at this point of time and they are planning for the click and collect process, obviously we need to implement the tech. But there are going to be some considerations overall from the business process perspective The changes are going to be required in the way these stores are laid out, in the way the warehouses are laid out, in the way the inventory is accounted. So to implement this process, let's say if I'm trying this for the first time in my business, do I need to make any changes in the business process? Again, I'm not talking about any specific tool or technology right now. I'm talking about the core business process. Do I need to make any changes overall the way my inventory is planned, the way the inventory is accounted, the way my my warehouse architecture is? Do I need to make any changes
0: there? I think the biggest challenge I encounter, to be perfectly honest with you, is yep. untrustworthy store stock values. So, yeah. so obviously, if you're not selling via click and collect and you're not selling via true click and collect and you're just either shipping from a web warehouse uh, yep. to a store or you simply don't do click and collect at all. Obviously, the the fact that an individual store's inventory count may be wrong is not necessarily a massive issue because the customer that comes into the physical store can only buy what's on the shelf. And so they see what's on the shelf, either it fits them and they like it or it doesn't and therefore they either buy on the spot or they don't. Whereas with click and collect, inventory management and inventory accuracy become absolutely mission critical. Now, if you don't trust your store inventory and you're not doing regular stock takes to make sure that inventory is accurate, and of yeah. course the fashion industry, for example, is subject to shrinkage on a mass scale, You know, yeah. it can be up, up to one or two percent. So therefore, even if your stock counts are usually right from a stock take perspective because of store theft and things like that, your stock counts can pretty rapidly get out of of, of accuracy. Now, now what usually happens is in the tech layer, you will build in automatic buffers. So you will say, okay, if I think I've got one unit in store, I'm going to show zero units online. Or if I show five units in store, I'm going to show three units online or four units online. So usually, because either the store doesn't believe its stock counts anyway, or to account for shrinkage scenarios or lost item scenarios or things like that, or returns that aren't returned back to stock properly or whatever the case may be. As a result of that, most tech will allow you to build in buffers into the system so that the online experience, if you say you've got it in stock and someone pays for it and they go to collect it, then it needs to actually be there and available for them to collect within a reasonable timeframe. So that's that's probably the biggest operational challenge that I see is untrustworthy inventory data, both at the at the web warehouse level, as well as the individual retail store level, and the challenges of cleaning up that data in the first place. And obviously, the bigger the store, the bigger the range of categories, the bigger the data challenge. And moving beyond that, you're absolutely right. Even if you get the inventory right and you get the systems right, then you have to make sure that you're catering from a, a resourcing perspective and also from a workflow and process perspective, and also from a physical processing perspective, you have to make sure that you have the resources in-house because if you just have the assumption that, oh, you know, our our our, our store staff will just, whenever there's downtime, they'll process web orders. Well, you, you could go in with with that hope or that expectation, but the reality is. If you have an extra busy day where there's no time to process web orders, then that's going to that's going to create a pretty crappy click and collect experience. And so you do need to plan in advance to carve out some resource to carve out a specific process and perhaps a time of day where. You know, you have an hour in the in the morning and maybe an hour in the afternoon, depending on order volumes where you process web orders. And then that updates the customer that they're available twice a day, for example. So there are absolute processes and it is a little bit business specific and it is a little bit vertical specific and it is a little bit volume specific about what those processes will look like. But it, but it's absolutely imperative that the inventory be correct and that businesses actually think about the process before they implement it.
2: OK, interesting. So now you seem to be referring the term web warehouse and i don't even know if my listeners are going to be familiar with that right so they sure. might be familiar sure. with the e-commerce web front i i get it but what is going to be the interaction of the web warehouse with, with the actual physical warehouse how are these quantities being exchanged between these warehouse can you describe the overall flow how your web warehouse is going to be interacting with your physical warehouses
0: yeah, absolutely. So many brands, they will have, and again, this is a little bit business specific, but, yeah. you know, in the case of let's just say take fashion. Oftentimes okay. they will have one central warehouse, almost like a, a physical store, but a giant one that carries okay. uh, that carries enough inventory to cover every single product that they sell. So every single SKU uh, and carries multiple units of every single SKU, every single product that they carry in one physical warehouse warehouse location. And so you can think of that almost like a giant superstore version of one of their physical stores where the physical stores may carry a subset of individual products. They may run out of individual products over time. They, you know, they, they will have specializations if they are in different parts of the country and maybe they have different weather. And so therefore they carry a different subset of product than, than the other stores. There's all sorts of considerations around what a store may carry in terms of range. Versus the web warehouse. So the, the, the warehouse that is usually set aside to fulfill and ship orders via the e-commerce website generally has the most stock and the broadest range of stock at any given point in time. Now, some brands will have that same quote unquote web warehouse. Also replenishing individual physical stores as well through stock transfers, uh, but oftentimes the shipments will go directly from the manufacturing factory or plant or distributor directly to the physical stores and bypass the web shipment or web order warehouse altogether. So there there is different permutations of this, but in an, in a scenario where you implement click and collect in a simple sort of starter beginner dip your toe in the in the waterway. Then usually what would happen is the web warehouse would process the order just like it would any other Internet order that where it's got to ship to an individual customer address. But instead of shipping to the customer address, it's shipping to a physical store address for collection by the customer when it arrives there. So, there's a couple of different permutations of, of the question that you asked, but yeah. hopefully hopefully that that um that makes sense. Yeah,
2: it does. So, thank you so much for clarifying that. Now, I am going to give you one more scenario and that is going to be the kind of, you know, businesses that we come across and in in a lot of cases and and this is uh, typically the norm than the exception. So in our experience, even if the business may have the e-commerce front, but typically their e-commerce and ERP systems are not going to be connected. And if that is the case, obviously you can imagine that their inventory is not centralized. And one of the fundamental assumptions that you mentioned in your click and collect process that your inventory needs to be centralized, and if that is not centralized, obviously the process is probably not going to work. And they actually take it to the next stage. When the e-commerce and the ERP system is not not connected, what they typically do is they typically have a fake inventory in the e-commerce system. Can you believe this? OK, so there is no actual state of the inventory overall from the corporation perspective when you look at these isolated and fragmented systems. But they are somehow managing by keeping a counter on their e-commerce store. So even if, let's say, a customer is going to order, they in, in, in some cases they might not get the stock on time or whatever. Let's say if there is going to be a delay uh, in the shipping, so they are somehow managing it. OK, so this is the scenario. Now, in the scenario, number one, would click and collect process work? If not, what do they need to do to ensure that they are able to implement this process to improve the customer experience?
0: Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you're going to offer real click and collect or what I refer to as real click and collect, <laughs> then you, you have to have centralized inventory management. There's just no two ways about it. If you want to offer offer effectively fake click and collect or quasi click and collect, then if you have a single inventory source, a single warehouse source, and at least you know the inventory of that one source, then obviously you can sell that via your e-commerce website and just ship it to an individual store. But to your point, you're absolutely spot on. The first step really to offering full-blown real click and collect from store inventory is to know with accuracy what the store inventory is at a centralized level. Now, most retailers will at the very least have an integrated Point of sale system. So even if they're not running an ERP and they're running most of their business out of spreadsheets, or you know, they're running out of a a really simple basic inventory management system that can't really handle multi-location inventory, or they're running a really simple inventory/slash warehouse management system that really only knows inventory of, of a single web warehouse usually they're running some form of a point-of-sale system that does actually know the inventory for each of the retail stores. So if they're running a Vend or they're running a Retail Express or they're running Lightspeed or they're running, you know, any one of a thousand point-of-sale systems on the market, most of the time, at the very minimum, the point-of-sale system will understand what the store-related inventory is, and then it's a matter of integrating that point-of-sale system into what we colloquially refer to as your distributed order management system which then will know what the store inventory is to present to the customer online to drive the click and collect experience and 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 be able to do that with confidence that the customer is actually going to be able to pick up their product at some point from that store
2: so right so in this particular scenario let's say if your POSs are maintaining their own inventory and let's say if they are centralized to some extent that they are able to look up in the inventory in the other store i mean that's how the pos architecture is going to work but when you are implementing your click and collect there has to be reconciliation of the inventory with your web warehouse as well so is the web warehouse really talking to your pos network uh, is that how you are looking and making sure that you have the inventory when the customer is actually clicking on the website and when they are collecting, they are able to collect from these stores as well? So, are you simply uh, doing this in the POS network and are you looking up in the inventory and trying to create the web warehouse right from that network?
0: Uh, it depends on the e-commerce platform in question. Some okay. are are multi-location inventory aware, so okay. you know your Shopify's and Magento's are. They have multi-location inventory. Uh, at the core of their system, so you can push in inventory levels from of those individual stores in as locations into the e commerce platform so you know in the e commerce platform what the individual inventory of each location is so it does depend a little bit on the e commerce platform big commerce isn't multi location inventory ready yet they're working on that um, and as a result of that that's why you need kind of that that intermediary system. Um, which is which is a, a order management system which can sit in between and can furnish that information through the web experience from the product page, from category pages, from cart, from checkout, etc., so that you can you can surface that through the web experience without using native plumbing of the e-commerce platform to do it. And even in a, in the case of say a Shopify it has really strict limitations around how you can configure inventory locations to behave in the platform. And oftentimes, those limitations are too restrictive. And therefore, even in a a Shopify environment that supports multi-location inventory, you need to use a third-party tool like a stock in store to create the real, true, proper front-end experience that you want to create
2: So here you have, let's say when we look at the the POS network, right, the POS network in the retail setting there, let's say you are using Vend or some other vendors that are going to be slightly more POS focused because you want to make sure that. The employees in the store have the real POS experience because they have to move fast in the store. So you don't want to, and I don't know how friendly, to be honest, the other POS systems are going to be or how adopted they are. But typically, when you look at the, the store experience, you need to make sure that the employees are able to move fast with the orders. So you are not queuing up in your store when the customer is actually ordering from there so let's say if you go to you know something like vend or ncr or whichever pos system you are going to use so now they have their own database the way they maintain their warehouse but now you have the e-commerce front so you mentioned that your shopify is going to be your multi location where your magento is going to be multi location aware as well but how is your shopify and magento talking to let's say ncr or vend uh, or any other pos system that you might be utilizing
0: So that's through system integration, and that's a common uh, requirement in the e-commerce and digital commerce space that all of the various different operational systems of the business, whether that be the e-commerce website, the ERP, the point of sale system, doesn't really matter what, you know, it could be the customer service platform, could be, you know, there's a number of different operational platforms that, are in use within a business and you know the e-commerce website is both an operational platform and a customer experience platform all in one but then you have standalone operational platforms that that don't uh, the the interface doesn't the customer doesn't see the interface so point of sale system is one erp is another order and warehouse management system is another, PIM system, etc. So there's lots of operational systems that must share data with one another in as close to real time as possible to facilitate lots of experiences on the front end of the e-commerce website and And Click and Collect is just one of those experiences that relies on systems being able to talk to each other and share information. And we just call that system integration. So there's what's known as middleware platforms in the market, which allow and and basically play the traffic cop. Those middleware platforms sit in the middle of those different systems that need to share data. They route the data. They transform the data. They They work off of specific triggers when data needs to be released and when it needs to be sent and when it needs to be received. They do retrying in case of failures. They're basically the traffic cop of data sharing between all of these systems that need to have access to it. So what are
2: the processes you are looking at? Let's say click and collect is obviously one. What other trends you are seeing, let's say in the fashion industry or the retail industry? And I don't know if there are any unique experiences that you are seeing in any other industries. Do you have any other similar processes that would require the similar uh, system setup or the operational capabilities to be able to enable that experience? And if the brands are not really doing that, they might be left behind just because they are not able to enable that. So what are different processes, the newer pro- processes that you are seeing that customers are demanding, just because they the the, 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 the the way they interact with the digital platform is changing overall, right? And so so what are different pro- processes and which are different industries where you are seeing these processes?
0: Yeah, so there's, there's a few where we, w- we won't even talk about operational integration. Okay. Um, because there's a lot of that there's a lot of that because obviously you need to integrate orders into your yeah. order processing platform from whatever sales channel the product has been sold through you need to integrate product information from a source system say an ERP into maybe a product information management system which will then be distributed out and syndicated across all your sales channels there's there's a number of core system integrations that have to take place inside of a business just to operate from a functional process, operational perspective to be able to even do what they do as a business, but then there are some other integrations that really they affect the customer experience quite dramatically if they're not there, Uh, and and I'll speak to those because those are CX related, right, so if you're for example, let's say you run a separate loyalty system in store in your pause yeah. system versus your online platform, obviously not having those harmonized is, is a pain for the customer because when they when they earn online, they have to then spend their loyalty online. When they earn in store, they then have to spend that in store and never the twain shall meet. And yeah. not only does the customer not to be able to is not able to use those across channels, but even the store staff themselves aren't able to tell the customer if if the customer is to ask without logging into a web system, they can't even tell the customer at point of sale what their online loyalty is. So it creates a fragmented and disjointed experience for the customer and they're not able to aggregate their loyalty across channels. So in that scenario, the merchant really is a multi-channel business, not an omni-channel business. In other words, they sell across multiple channels. But they are not omni-channel integrated, meaning the customer can have the same experience regardless of the channel that they transact with the merchant through. So omni-channel and and multi-channel sound the same, but from my way of thinking, they are very, very different customer experiences or they lead to very different customer experiences. There's two other key things. There's two or three or four other key things that are usually need to be integrated. One of those is store credit. So let's say hypothetically, I return something in store and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to refund. I just, I'm going to take a store credit, but then at some future date, I want to be able to use that store credit to buy something else, or I want to do a swap or whatever. Um, Then if you're not omni-channel integrated from a store credit perspective, what that means is, If I buy online, I have to return online, and then I've got a store credit that only works online. If I buy in-store and I return in-store, then I've got a store credit that can only be used in a physical store. So similar to loyalty, those need to be integrated so that if I buy online and return in-store, I can use the store credit online or in-store and vice versa. If I buy in-store and then I return online, meaning I ship it back to you to your web warehouse for a refund or a store credit, then I need to have that store credit be integrated across the platforms so that I can then go and use that store credit in-store or online or wherever I'm able to transact or, or an app or whatever. There, then you think about communications. Then you think about things like digital receipts. You think about things like newsletter signups, et cetera. And all of that needs to be harmonized across platforms. So, for example, if I don't want to have a physical receipt in store and I want to be able to see my in-store purchases online in my account, that integration has to happen for that to, to be visible and vice versa for the the online orders to be able to be visible in store to store staff orders need to be integrated in some fashion in some way in some centralized system Uh, and then also that facilitates digital receipts so I'm famous for losing my receipts Um, you know receipts easily smudge and get damaged and therefore um, you know if you can have a digital receipt that you don't actually need a physical receipt at point of sale because you've got an account that is synced between online and in store then uh, as long as they can recognize you in store when you give over your email address or your phone number as long as they can recognize you and allocate that sale to you well then there's no need for a physical receipt because digital receipts are available in all systems then we have the comms component the communications component so if let's say the first time i shop with you i shop in store and you ask me hey would you like to create an account with us here's all the great benefits blah 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 and the customer says yes well, then you have to ask them, hey, would you like to go onto our mailing list, et cetera, et cetera. We have to give authorization so that we can contact you. Would you like us? Uh, would you like to go on our text contact list, et cetera? Um, there is a number of communications preferences that have to be able to be collected at whatever touch point, online, in-store, whatever channel. And then they have to be synced across all channels so that it's understood and known what their preferences are and so that they can be updated. So let's say I walk into a store, I'm on your mailing list, and I think you email me too often, I should be able to tell the, the person on the counter, hey, could you take me off your, your mailing list? Because uh, you know, I'm I, I really don't want to get your emails anymore, or I'm going on a holiday and I and I and I don't want to get your emails anymore. You know, you need to be able to do that through whatever channel the customer is communicating with you through, including customer service itself. So whether that be through live chat, whether that be through phone, whether that be through email, whether that be through help desk. Um, so there's some customer impact elements of system integration that have to be thought about and catered for to create that seamless omni-channel customer experience, both from a comms and transactional perspective.
2: All right, Jason, uh, that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing
0: thoughts? I think that businesses just simply have to think about, are they channel agnostic? Meaning, is their business engineered to be able to take on and adopt new channels relatively easily and relatively cheaply? Because... As you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with the advent of social commerce, with the advent of automatic commerce, meaning fulfillment and and, uh, subscription-based commerce and and replenishment-based commerce, and all of the new channels that are coming down the, the path. The reality is, is that the market, the the transactional channel market is becoming more fragmented than ever. And if your business is not engineered from the ground up for this reality, then you're probably not going to be very competitive. So you need to start thinking about, even if you only sell through an e-commerce channel today, or maybe an e-commerce channel and a physical store channel today, the reality is channels are exploding and you need to be able to onboard those channels easily and cheaply.
2: Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from the conversation is going to be there is just so much happening in the customer experience space. And the underlying assumption is that your systems need to be connected. They should be talking to each other. If you don't have that, you are probably going to be left behind and you will not be able to catch up on these customer experience trends. On that note, Jason, I really want to thank you for your time.
0: This has been a powerful episode. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time with you as well and look forward to doing it again soon.
2: I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Jason, connect with him on LinkedIn via Greenwood Consulting and at jason at greenwoodconsulting.net. It's J-A-S-O-N at G-R-E-E-N-W-O-O-D-C-O-N. S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Richard Halter, the wizard of Paz, who describes the challenges associated with buy online pickup at store model. Also the interview with Paul Sklar, who takes us through the retail industry's deep dive. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help.